This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. God rest ye merry gentlemen. That's what that's I think of. Because <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of Victorian times. Little people in little oh, Carol goes, God rest ye merry gentlemen. Yeah. I don't remember the rest of the words. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. I know the bare, na- bare naked ladies sang at some point. What? No, they did a remake of it with uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm Nicole. I'm Lara. Scissors and Scrubs. Hey. We're going back to Victorian times. For Christmas. For our Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Holiday episode. Mm-hmm. I'm not really going to get into many more than that. All right. It's the season. Yes. Okay. So... We went for Victorian times because we covered them at Halloween and they're just something. The Victorians were just something. They really were. I can honestly say as much as I love the homes and everything, I don't think I ever wanted to live in that time. Filthy. Weird. Dirty. Superstitious. Wicked. Nutty. Yeah. And dangerous. Yeah. Um, Everybody died at like 30. Right. Well, one of the reasons they died is because arsenic was in everything. Oh. Yeah. Like the poison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was in everything. So we're going to cover um, a little arsenic poisoning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we're going to get into Charles Dickens and some characters with Charles Dickens and some Victorian shite. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with arsenic. Mm-hmm. What exactly is arsenic? Let's start with what it is. Okay. You need to know what it is to know why it's a problem. Okay, it's a metalloid element that can be mixed with organic or inorganic substances. Okay. Again, we start getting chemical with all this crap. Mm-hmm. It is very toxic to most biological substances, including humans, okay. which is why it is a pesticide. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been used as a medicinal agent, as a pigment in colors, oh. as a pesticide. What color? Oh, we'll get into it. Oh, okay. And as a murder weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. by usually That's murder. always in a spy movie. Oh, yeah. Arsenic. Mm-hmm. It's mainly, um, it's, a, it's a female murder weapon. Okay. Up until 2003, it was used as a prevention of bug infestation in wood. In the past, until 2003, uh-huh. wow. yeah, your wood was laced with arsenic. Huh. In the past, it was used to treat typosinitis, which was a sleeping sickness, and syphilis. Again, we threw everything at syphilis yeah. trying to cure that bad boy. <laughs> um, it is often mixed with copper or lead to strengthen the alloys in it. Oh, good lead too. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Or to strengthen the alloys in the materials it's mixed with. Mm-hmm. It can be found in groundwater, shellfish, and seafood. Any food could be contaminated with arsenic if it has contaminated water it's feeding from mm-hmm. or because somebody put it in there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can be exposed to it by inhaling it, consuming it, or skin contact. Oh. Symptoms of arsenic poisoning. Vomiting. Yes. Abdominal pain. Diarrhea. Dark urine known as Black water urine. Ew. Cardiac problems. Mm-hmm. Hemolysis, which is the destruction of your red blood cells. Mm-hmm. Vertigo, which I think is a classic sign of um, arsenic poisoning, is vertigo. Really? Delirium, shock, and death. Mm-hmm. Long-term exposure to low levels can lead to skin changes, which will get dark or discolored. You can get redness, swelling, skin it- bumps that resemble warts. Uh, Laura's got arsenic poisoning. Have arsenic I think you do. Because she's got red swelling on her neck. Oh, my God. Uh, you get hyper... trying to kill me. I'm putting it out there <laughs> What's now. in that water? Did I just eat the same thing you did? Yes, I got the same um, source. Hyperkeratosis, which cause skin bumps that resemble corns or warts. Ew. We should cover corns, too. That's a weird little thing. Um, <laughs> Mies 
lines, like bees knees, mees lines, which are white lines on your fingernails. Another classic oh, yeah. sign mm-hmm. of arsenic poisoning. And long-term exposure can lead to cancer. Treatment for arsenic poisoning. Hemodialysis to remove the blood, uh, the poisons from your bloodstream. But that has to be like immediate. Otherwise, it's already bound to your tissues and it's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Blood transfusions. Chelation therapy, which um, you use drugs that bind specifically to inactive substances, which would be arsenic, and they'll try to remove it. Mm-hmm. If you survive it, you you usually suffer from <laughs> you will usually suffer from nerve, cardiac, liver, renal, or skin problems. Yes. That comes from medicine.net.com. Okay. Why are we talking arsenic? Why are we talking about arsenic? Okay. In Victorian times, arsenic is used as a fungicide by farmers. It was treating in sheep's wool. Glass makers used it. Shot makers used it. Not shots like, hey, shot, 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 shot. It was shots like shot put, uh, um, like shot buckshot. Yeah. It would make the shot round. That's how toxic this shit is. It would shape it right down. Wow. It was used as a fu- food coloring in what they called Shields Green Dye. In the early part hmm. of the 1800s, there was a vibrant green color that emerged known as Shields Green. Okay. It was used in everything, wallpaper, paints, candles, clothes, children's toys. Oh, of course. The makers of Shields Green were deliberately loading it with arsenic, copper arsenic to be precise, because copper arsenic enhanced certain pigments and prevented the dyes from fading. Uh-huh. So it kept the green very green. vibrant, mm-hmm. which is why wallpaper manufacturers loved Shields Green. Mm-hmm. So all of the wallpaper was made with Shields Green. They uh, promoted that as long as you didn't eat the wallpaper... <laughs> You would be fine. It was safe. And Victorians were huge into keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. So if Laura has green wallpaper in her, her dining room, well, I'm going to have fucking green wallpaper in my dining room. And my living room. And my living room. And I'm going to I'm gonna wear it as well. Right. Okay. So sales of wallpaper went from a million in the 1830s to about 23 million by mm. 1860. And almost all of them had shields green paint in them. Wow. As the demand of wallpaper grew, so did the reports of Homer when suffering slow, agonizing deaths. <laughs> so what I think you... looking at the green, reviving <laughs> green walls. All of my so what people don't know is when arsenic gets wet or moist, as we like to say, mm-hmm. it releases a toxic gas. Oh. So homes in England are what? Wet. Damp and Very wet and moist because mm-hmm. it's a damp, wet, moist environment, especially mm-hmm. in London. Mm-hmm. Heat also causes the paper to create toxic gas. So how do you heat your damp with wet the fireplace? With a fireplace full of coal and mm-hmm. uh, gas lighting, nice, which heats up the wallpaper. Yes. So, um, the Victorian homes were basically becoming gas chambers. Nice. Women were wearing ball gowns that contained enough ass arsenic to kill two hundred people. Oh my god! So one ball gown, take a good lick of it, you could kill the whole ball. In 1848, one man died and several others got seriously ill after eating a blah blah with Sheck's green food coloring. Oh, Shields green food. Excuse me. All right. So there was a letter published in an Edinburgh paper that apparently I have lost. Um, <laughs> but it basically just it was an anonymous letter from a homeowner who describes that he would sit in his living room at night and his eyes would burn. He would have trouble breathing. He was getting confused. 
everybody in the house would be having this problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole, he had this beautiful paper that was green with gold flecks. Like he talks, he goes in description about this stupid wallpaper. Um, And that once they removed themselves from the room, all the symptoms would disappear. So when you read like romance novels and stuff, people would leave England to go get the better air in the country Mm -hmm. and this and that. Because most of the homes in the country were not papered with fucking shields green paper. So um, a Dr. Macadam, he starts to have public concerns about arsenic on the wallpaper. And he st- and this letter prompted it. It was mm-hmm. all part of this. The Edinburgh paper was going back and forth between this doctor, manufacturers of the wallpaper. It was a debate back and forth about the how bad this stuff was. Mm-hmm. So Macadam is like, that if you just dust or touch the wallpaper, the arsenic is in the air. Like, it's not just... It's like asbestos. It's like, like asbestos. Because it it's, it's yeah. not adhered to the wallpaper. It's painted on. So it's flecking off. It's, uh-huh. you know, yeah. aerosolizing into the air. Um, so he debunks the myth that you need to actually eat the wallpaper to get sick. He's like, no matter what you do, this wallpaper is going to make you mm-hmm. sick. Um, he states other countries have already banned the use of it, and Scotland needed to follow suit. So there's a public debate between him and the wallpaper manufacturers, and within two years of the first debate, non-arsenic wallpaper starts to hit the shelves. Yeah. Um, most arsenic poisoning in the 1800s, they were hard to diagnose because the nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and cramps are the same symptoms as cholera. Mm. This is why it becomes the murder weapon of choice at the time. Mm-hmm. In 1840, there's this huge case of a Madame Lafarge. She's accused of poisoning like a million people with arsenic. No. Charles Dickens uses the word Lafarge as a verb in the household wars to describe someone having been done away with by poison. Oh. Um, and like I said, it was the murder choice for women. There's countless, countless. There's a whole article I had on the panic, um, arsenic panic, because everybody was off and their husbands and people they didn't like with arsenic. Yeah. Um, so I got that information from history.com UK, and we're taking it over to you. Oh, Laura. okay. Well, I did Charles Dickens' medical history. I didn't know he had one. Oh, he, that's all he had. I don't know how he did anything else other than complain. Because I literally, it's ridiculous. I didn't know he was a sickly man. Oh my God. Either that or he was just a bitcher. Like he yeah. just bitched about <laughs> everything. It's so, I got it. Um, I read this article. Um, Bleak Health, Charles Dickens' Medical History Revisited. It's from September 2008 in the Dickinson um, publish, publication, volume 114, summer 2018. Pages 117 through 133 by Nicholas Cambridge from the University of Buckingham. Project was Charles Dickens in the medical world. So he was known in the medical known world. Known in the medical world. <laughs> so he's, this is like a paper someone yeah. wrote for school. Um, so Nicholas Cambridge used some of the 14,000 letters Dickens wrote to form some diagnoses of his medical history. 14,000? Yeah. He liked to write. Oh, yeah. He was a writer. Um, which when did he have time to write books? Which is the way he describes shit as historical. <laughs> um, and I gleamed a few thoughts about these yeah. things too. Uh, firstly, the dude complained a lot. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how he's married. I would have murdered him with arsenic. Um, second, here's some wallpaper no. just for you. I think he may have been an addict. Oh, from okay. what he says in this, but that. That's what I know what an addict is. That's what I got from these. Um, But through his letter, it is clear he suffered from many ailments. 
I go over nine of them. Nine. I some out. Yeah. Nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, first, colds. He had a man cold his entire adult life. <laughs> In his letters from 1832 to 1868, so like 30 years, yeah. Dickens complained of having a cold 47 times. <laughs> Well, you know what? The weather in England's really conducive oh, to a cold. Oh, no, wait. So in 1844, he had five colds. And in 1851, he had four. He was a writer. So he used 20 different adjectives to describe <laughs> these colds. Like deplorable, intolerable, oppressive, hideous, villainous. A villainous cold. Yeah. Dreadful. <laughs> indescribable and monstrous. I'm going to go to work and be like, I have a villain that's head to gold. <laughs> <laughs> on his second visit to America. So he would go on all these tours to yeah. read and whatever. Um, on his second visit to America, he had a cold, quote unquote cold. I don't think it was it a cold. It is cold. For five months. He had sinuses, probably had allergies. That he named his true American. That's what this five month cold was. <laughs> his true American. He would write about his true American. <laughs> In a letter to his wife, Catherine, in 1835, he complained of a terrible cold. This is, quote, (laughs) My cold, I am sorry to say, is very bad indeed this morning, accompanied by a headache in all the unpleasantries which usually follow in its train. If it should be a damp night and the fog should continue, would you advise me to stay at home, take some gruel, try hot water for my feet, and go to bed early? Dude was writing to her. She's in England. He's in America. So it's going to take six months for you to get the answer. So are you asking if you should stay at home from work because of a cold for three months until you get a response? (laughs) I, I like, literally. So he'll get a response in, like, a month. We'll stay tuned to see if he stayed (laughs) home the whole time. I got to stay in. Yeah. Um, To treat his terrible colds, he used mustard poultices on his chest and neck. He did foot baths. Um... Camphor liniments to the back, which is like a vapor rub. Yeah, Vicks vapor rub. Yep. Um, and he drank barley water, which sounds disgusting. Yeah, it does. I think they still have barley water, so I think it I makes don't know why that just sounds. I've never drinks. had it. Sounds like a nightmare. Sounds like water with barley. Anyways, m- man had a cold. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine? <laughs> he writes to his wife about his cold. Like, are you serious? Don't write to he's, me about your cold. He's a real romantic. Yeah. <laughs> he's a writer. And he's writing yeah. about a cold. Um. Oh God, I forgot. I have to say this. Um. Number two. Was Tick Dolero. Tick Dolero. Um, Dickens had at least 10 episodes of, I'm not saying this right, Tick Dolero or trigeminal neuralgia, which is the inflammation of the fifth cranial nerve, which causes severe facial pain. Oh. So you get like, you know, the yeah. nerve is uh, inflamed and it causes wicked pain like right wow. through your face. Um, when he was 20, he had an episode and couldn't go to a, like this huge theater audition he was invited to like in front of this huge director back then and like it was so he couldn't go um he described them as insupportable torture <laughs> he used poultices in uh laudanum when he had flare-ups well, Laud- that's that's why he's an addict there laudanum is an alcoholic solution containing morphine made from opium and used as a painkiller um but he had like many episodes of this um trigeminal neuralgia which is that sounds awful um third thing he had um ocd oh that's not a shock right Mm -hmm. there he was ritualistic in his routines and obsessive about his work 
He inspected his kids' rooms, and then he would leave them notes when he was not happy with their cleanliness or organization. Can you imagine your dad's Charles Dickens and he's leaving you notes? I know. This is and an entirely insufferable, yeah. villainous room. <laughs> um, he rearranged the furniture to a certain specification wherever he stayed. So whatever hotel room in. Like, he's functioning he, in the room. Yeah, he had to change everything around. Um, he wrote of this, um, his love of order in 1840 <laughs> when he was writing to his wife, Catherine, poor Catherine. Um, kidding. She's probably like, just send him on any tour he wants to go on. I can't She didn't them. open any of these letters. Yeah. She's like, he's just going to complain about a cold again. <laughs> um, it's another cold letter. Yeah. Oh, I'm done. Yeah. He's still in America? Not yeah. opening it. His true American friends yeah. here. Um, of course, I arranged both the room and my luggage before going to bed and had everything very tidy. This is what he's writing to his he's wife. He's a potty goer, huh? Yeah. So he was very fastidious and like everything he did. So they think he might have had a little OCD. Um, number four, he had gonorrhea. What? Mm. Eek. Dickens separated from Eek. his wife in 1858. Slut. In 1859. He had gonorrhea. He wrote to his doctor, <laughs> quote, my bachelor state has engendered a small malady on which I want to see you. So his pee-pee had a rash. His pee-pee is need to see him. Yeah. Uh, he also asked if the medicine the doctor prescribed could have given him a rash. Nope, that's the gonorrhea. Uh, gonorrhea was treated with silver nitrate, which you went over, and which can give a rash. Yeah. Or it could have just Turns been the peepee gray. Yeah. Or it could have just been the gonorrhea itself, which can give a terrible rash. Um, Ooh, who would sleep with him? I don't know. Ugh. He was a modern day mm. just rock star. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Dickens is in town. Give, give me some of that. Um, He's single. Yeah. Dickens' father also probably had the gonorrhea. Oh, I'm sure. He died after his urethra ruptured from an old stricture. That's disgusting. Untreated gonorrhea has a, was a major cause of urethral strictures before antibiotics I came I believe out. that. Yeah, I believe that. Um, Dickens wrote a letter the day his father died that said, He had kept his real malady so profoundly secret that when he died, when, that when he did disclose it, his state was most alarmingly advanced towards this sad end. So he didn't tell anybody he had gonorrhea. And then once, until it was like too far gone. And then he died. Um, so he had the gonorrhea. Number five, he had chronic, well, they think chronic carbon monoxide poisoning. What? Yeah. For Dick, what? Dickens toured America twice from January to May in 1842 and November 1867 till April 1868. He traveled all over in trains. He wrote about this all the time. <laughs> Ad nauseum. The carriages then like weren't ventilated and right. it's cold. He's there in the winter. It's cold. And they're heated with charcoal stoves. Um, we now know that these stoves produce carbon monoxide and none of the windows are open and they're sitting in cars with like 100 people in them with the oh, wow. cold stoves going. So low, concentra- low concentrations of carbon monoxide Cause dizziness, fatigue, weakness, headaches, disorientation, drowsiness, nausea and vomiting, stomach aches, chest pain, wheeziness, and palpitations. During so, his second visit to America, he had that true American. Um, which is actually probably carbon monoxide right. poisoning. He writes letters, not only complaining about the true American cold, <laughs> but like he can't get out of bed till late afternoon. He's wicked lethargic. He has terrible headaches. He has poor sleep, poor appetite, hair loss. Oh, wow. And... um. And he had a five-month cold, which is ridiculous because <laughs> um, no cl- colds last yeah. five months. And he gets on a ship to go back to England after his tour. And four days later, every, every symptom's gone. Oh, and he's out in that go. ocean. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, in a letter home regarding his five-month cold, 
probable carbon monoxide poisoning. He says, I cannot eat and have established this system. <clears throat> this is why I think he's an addict. At seven in the morning, in bed, <laughs> a tumbler of new cream and two tablespoons of rum. At Mom. 12, a sherry cobbler and a biscuit. At three, a pint of champagne. At five minutes to eight, an egg beaten up with a glass of sherry. So he's a drunk. Yeah, he that's and he takes <laughs> laudanum for like everything he has. Um, so that's why I think he's doing that to cure his yes. true American yeah. and his carbon dioxide. I think he's an addict. Um, number six, he had renal colic, which is um, it's probably oh, I get into it. <laughs> no, so since he was a kid, he suffered from wicked spasm that caused really bad extreme pain in his left side. They believe oh, they were yeah, from yeah, yeah. renal colic, which happens when a kidney stone gets lodged in your ureter and it starts like stretching mm -hmm. on the ureter and it kills and it causes a spasm. Um, he described it. He described 12 episodes between 1834 and 1867. He describes these episodes as rheumatism in my back or exquisite torture from the spasm in my side and, quote, the ecstasy of pain. The ecstasy of pain. Mm -hmm. To treat his renal colic, he took laudanum. Uh, Sherry cobblers, yeah. <laughs> pint of champagne, <laughs> hydrocyanic acid, which is extremely poisonous. Yeah, like it's cyanide. Yeah, and henbane, which is an herbal medicine used for rheumatism. It's an analgesic, a sedative, and a narcotic. Oh, he's a yeah, he's yeah. bad. Um, it contains that um, henbane or herb, mm -hmm. however you say that. Um, it contains scopolamine. Oh my god it's like a natural yeah. an herbal thing that contains scopolamine which re relaxes the muscles living in the digestive tract so it probably did help a little bit with yeah. the ureter um but all, he's you know all doped up um he had ptd ptsd and depression in 1865 dickens was in the S stopplehurst railway derailment so the train he was on derailed mm -hmm. He tried to provide aid to people, but some of them died while he was oh, helping them. Yeah. The day after, he asked his doctor for a sedative. Like, he was really upset by it. Um, he he lost his voice for two weeks after. He could not speak. Wow. Um, and he wrote that he was unfit for noise or worry. Afterwards, he avoided using trains when he could. This was later on in his life, so it wasn't he didn't have to do these big tours. Right. Um, he wrote several times to his daughter and friends about not participating in outings and going away because of being depressed. Like he, I'm not getting out of bed, blah, blah, blah. And he would miss things because he couldn't get out of bed some days and he would, um, to treat it, he would go on long walks. Like that's what they did for depression. <laughs> like there was no treatment for any of this stuff, but he definitely sounds like he had PTSD. Um, he also had. Anal fistulas and oh, hemorrhoids. He was a looker, huh? Mm -hmm. Red in the face from mm -hmm. the carbon dioxide, mm -hmm. gonorrhea, mm -hmm. anal fistulas, hemorrhoids. Yeah. Oh, he's a piece of work. Mm -hmm. He suffered with anal fistulas so bad that in 1841, he had an operation on the fistula in his home with no anesthesia. Oh, So fistula is like a little tunnel, like a little tract. Yes, right? but why was he getting them? I don't know. After that, he always sat in a cane chair, even when traveling. Ouch. He would only sit in a cane chair. Um, he had three episodes of rectal bleeding because of piles or hemorrhoids. Yeah. Um, the first time he wrote his doctor and said, 
quote, I have some slight inconvenience, but not much, from piles, end quote. He asked what, if anything, he should do and said he would treat himself with regularity of bowel, cold baths, and good regular living. Cold bath? Soaked his bath in cold water. Um, Two years later, he wrote his doctor, quote, I have an occasional return of that effusion of blood from piles, end quote. And a couple months before his death, he wrote, my uneasiness and hemorrhage after having quite left me, as I supposed, has come back with an aggravated irritability that is <laughs> that it has not yet displayed. So he was bleeding profusely yeah. now from his hemorrhage. That he has not yet seen before. Yeah. He thought they left and now he's <laughs> bleeding to death around them. So he had pretty severe hemorrhoids and some anal fistulas. You know, I listened to him and then we were down in the cemeteries in Georgia and we went to this one guy in this like his whole life story. And he was in war. He was stabbed. He was shot. Comes back. He's beaten. Comes back. Then he, like, he's been stabbed like 15 times. Comes back from all that. Then charges off in a war again where he finally was fatally wounded. But he took out three guys. And I'm like, and this guy's bitching about his hemorrhoids. Yeah. Hemorrhoids and colds. Are you kidding me? Um, The last thing I went over that he had. Because he had more, but I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you were um, tired of it. Yep. You were done with Charles Dickens. Were strokes. Oh. In 1853, Dickens suffered from a TIA, which is a... Uh, Transient ischemic attack, which is a like a really small stroke. He was quote doctored and put to bed for the day. End quote. Okay. So that's why they said it was a stroke, but they think it was prop. They didn't know back then. It was probably like a little TIA Mm -hmm. because he was unwell for a day, but then much better the next day. In 1866, he noted his pulse was irregular. He saw a doctor that treated him with iron, quinine, and digitalis. So he probably had like AFib. Yeah. And that's what's causing clots, causing strokes. Um, then in 1869, he suffered another TIA and it affected the left side of his body. Doctors wanted him to stop touring, stop doing the readings. It's causing you too much Mm -hmm. stress. Um, but he wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So the doctor would go to all of his appearances to monitor him. Oh, wow. And, um, they would check his pulse before (laughs) and after and make sure, okay, fine. You can do the next one. Um, they were that concerned. And on June 8th, 1870, Dickens suffered a severe stroke and died the next day. So when he died, I wonder how old he was. Did it say how old he was when he died? No, I didn't really look it up though. Well, I have to tell you, a Christmas Carol mm-hmm. is probably my favorite Christmas story ever. I could it's watch. Good, it's just a good. One. I love it. Yeah. I could watch it in any version, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to love the Mickey Mouse one. I love the Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. one. I like the Albert Finney one. I I just love the story. Yeah. I don't think I can watch the cartoon Jim Carrey one. That one kind of doesn't do it. For me. It's yeah. too much. But I just, I love the story. I love the Victorian time. I, mm-hmm. I love the story. Mm-hmm. So. And who doesn't love little tiny Tim? Little fucking tiny oh. Tim. Little pathetic, <laughs> so pathetic. white, waif-like, mm-hmm. half a cripple. God bless us, everyone. Tiny Tim. No, Tiny Tim. What was wrong with Tiny Tim? What was wrong with Tiny Tim? What was wrong? He had that little crutch. In 1843, Mm -hmm. when Dickens wrote his little novella, A Christmas Carol, Dickens never says in the book what is wrong with Tiny Tim. So many people speculate Mm -hmm. what is wrong with Tiny Tim. It has been speculated from polio to cerebral palsy Mm -hmm. to what they really think he has is... um, the fact that he is in leg braces and he's deathly white mm-hmm. and that he would be cured with Ebenezer's money mm-hmm. is that he must have had 
a combination of rickets and TB. Oh, so a combo. A combo. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a little white face. Mm-hmm. There's one of the... Who's in it? I, can, I can't think of who is Scrooge in it. But the kid who plays Tiny Tim, he's got these teeth. He looks like a ghost. He's so white. I don't know how they got this kid to look <laughs> that bad. And he's got these circles in his eyes and these fucked up teeth. I'm like, where, where did they find this kid? <laughs> You're an actor. He's really? terrible. <laughs> All right. So rickets. Rickets is a softening and weakening of bones in small children due to a lack of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. I have an older cousin who was adopted. Um, so he's probably in his late 60s now. So mm-hmm. when he was two in the orphanage. He had rickets. Mm. That's how bad things were in the orphanage. Yeah. Uh, vitamin D, which we need, it's um, the vitamin that needs sunlight to kind of help. Your skin will create vitamin D in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. We need it to absorb calcium and phosphorus from food, making our bones strong. Mm-hmm. So, symptoms of rickets. Delayed growth, delayed motor skills, pain in the spine, pelvis, and legs, muscle weakness, bowed legs or knocked knees, Thickened wrists and ankles and a breast bone projection. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Causes lack of vitamin D, lack of sunlight that skin produces, uh, lack of sunlight. Skin produces vitamin D when exposed to sunlight. Mm-hmm. Less time outdoors means rickets. Your food, you have no access to food with vitamin Ds, such as fish oil, mackerel, fatty fish. Uh, today, we fortify our milk with vitamin D, mm-hmm. and we fortify certain cereals and fruit juices with vitamin D. Mm-hmm. You may have a lack of vitamin D because you have a problem with absorption, like a celiac disease, inflammation, bowel, um, IBS, IBD, oh. which I think is in, inflammatory, in, bowel yeah, bowel, inflammatory bowel disease. I wrote it down this yeah. way. Don't ask me why I did that, but I did it. <laughs> Cystic fibrosis or kidney problems. Risk factors. People with dark skin have a risk factor for it because the more melanin you have, it lowers your ability to produce vitamin D, believe it or not. Um, Mothers who have a vitamin D deficiency during pregnancy. Northern latitudes where there is less sunshine. England? Like England. Mm -hmm. Preemies. Medications. Babies that are exclusively breastfed can have a vitamin D deficiency because breast milk does not carry enough vitamin D to keep you going. So these kids need to have vitamin D supplements. Um, If it is untreated, it can lead to a failure to grow, an abnormally curved spine, bone deformities, and dental defects. Prevention. Mm -hmm. Exposure to sunlight. 10 to 15 minutes near midday. Mm -hmm. Eat vitamin D rich foods. Take vitamin D if you have no excess to sunlight or vitamin D rich foods. That's off of mayoclinic.com. Boom. When you have a lack of vitamin D, it contributes to a lower immune system, which now invites in TB. Yes. I am not going to cover tuberculosis to the extent tuberculosis can be covered because we just don't have the time for this particular Mm -hmm. episode. But I will cover TB just a little bit. Just a little taste of it. Just Just a little taste of it. All right. In in Dickens' time... Mm -hmm. TB was rampant, Mm -hmm. and it was known as the White Plague, which is why Tiny Tim looks like a goddamn ghost, because of how deathly pale you become when you have TB. Um, It is a contagious infection that usually attacks your lungs. It Mm -hmm. can spread to other parts of the body, but the lungs is where it likes to go. Mm -hmm. Symptoms are a cough that lasts more than three weeks, chest pain, coughing up blood, you're tired all the goddamn time, Mm -hmm. night sweats, chills, fevers, loss of appetite, and weight loss. 
It's those night sweats you always got to worry about. No shit. Night yeah. sweats, unless you're menopausal, are never good. Yeah. Causes. TB is spread through the air like a cold or flu, and you can only get TB from somebody else who has TB. Mm-hmm. Um, like a friend or a co-worker, or you travel to a company where the population is known to have high rates of TB. Mm-hmm. You're in cramped spaces like prisons or jail. Or you're a healthcare worker who is exposed to TB. Mm-hmm. If you have a low immune system, like somebody with HIV or AIDS, diabetes, kidney disease, cancers, low body weight or poor nutrition, or babies and children, you are at high risk of catching TB. TB. Mm-hmm. Treatment is medication. That's our extent of covering TB. Yeah. Okay. So Tiny Tim lives in cramped, polluted London, mm-hmm. and he's dirt poor. Mm-hmm. 60% of children in working class London in this time have rickets because of poor wow. nutrition and lack of summer. 60%. 60%. London is heating all of their homes with coal. These homes are, if you've ever been to London, they're packed in, like, yeah. packed in. All that coal blocks out the sunlight. Mm-hmm. So not only do they not get a lot of sunlight, but now the sun can't get through because the coal, it's like nighttime. There's right. so much coal in the air. I said to my, I'm writing this day, I said to my husband, London must have sucked. It's I can't smelled, even imagine how dirty disease ridden, yeah. dirty, no sun, poor. Yeah. It it must have sucked. Yeah. Sorry guys, but seriously. Yeah. Half of the working class with um in Dickens' time also had signs of TB. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all in those workhouses and right. living on top all of each other. The, yeah. Right. So with Ebenezer's money, Tiny Tim's rickets could have been helped and reversed and his TB could have been improved because he could have had sunshine he could have been sent to places to get more sunshine Mm -hmm. he would have had a better diet he could have had cod liver supplements Mm -hmm. and he was also have had braces for his legs all these things which were available in the time of dickens some believe that dickens based his tiny tim on two people his nephew henry who died of tb and his son's friend who was disabled so this comes from live science tiny tim's symptoms just decoded so then i went on to discuss a, a couple of things that came about in Victorian times that we do now. Mm-hmm. And then the dangers of Victorian Christmases. Ooh. Okay. So, in the 1800s, Christmas, in the very beginning, 1700s, 1800s, nobody cared a shit about Christmas. You no. didn't celebrate it. People worked. It was not a big deal. Gift giving was really a New Year's thing. Nobody really mm-hmm. bothered with it. By the end of the Victorian period, it is the biggest celebration of the year. It's believed that they're bringing in industry, you're bringing in technology, you have a better infrastructure, now you have trains so people can travel to see family, People, are, you're developing a middle class with all this industry, and so people are having some expendable money for gifts and mm-hmm. decorations and things like that. In 1843, Henry Cole introduces the first Christmas card. Oh. Fuck you, Henry Cole, because now we're going to write goddamn Christmas cards. 80 waiting yeah, to be gonna write. Um, he had an artist design a festive scene and printed up a hundred cards for use, for his use. After the cards were sold, whatever he had left always started selling to the public. And with printing being improved all the time, that eventually these are becoming commonplace. You can now you have affordable income mm-hmm. again, printing's quicker, so you can print them cheaper. People are starting to send Christmas cards to everybody. Um toys are becoming mass produced, decorations, novelty items. So the Christmas cracker, which I never fucking understood these things. You know what I'm talking about, the Christmas cracker. It, it, it's like, um, it's wrapped, it's paper, and you twist it and it pops in this candy inside. Oh, yes, it is. Right. So in the 1840s, a candy shop owner in Paris, Tom Smith, invents the first cracker filled with bonbons. Mm-hmm. By 1860, he adds a bang 
And the cracker, as we know today, is born. I've never opened one of those. No. But of course, the biggest reason for Christmas, we have Victoria and Albert, who basically shaped the world in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. They were, they have a huge family. There's nine kids in Victoria's time. And whatever the royal family did, the rest of London mm-hmm. did. So they, in 1848, there is an illustration in the London News that publishes a drawing of Victoria and Albert and their family celebrating around a Christmas tree, oh, which he has brought with him from Germany. Instantly, Christmas trees are popping up fucking everywhere. Um, the first ad for Christmas tree uh, ornaments appears in 1853. And usually ornaments were being paired with goodies and candies and you'd string popcorn mm-hmm. and cranberries and all this shit and you'd put it on your tree. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is going to directly lead into some of the dangers of Victorian Christmases. My grandmother, my father's mother used to, when we'd go up around Christmas, they'd string popcorn and cranberries. I mean, we never did that down no, here. We never did that either. We had tinsel and garlands. We had more shit to put on that tree. We had garlands. Yeah. Oh, it was okay. like the inside of uh, no. Jordan Marsh when you But up there, we, we, I was like, what is, this is like the 1800s. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what it was. It's the 1800s. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, uh, remember we used to make the paper chains in school? Yes. Do you, I used to thought that was so cool. All right. So these I'm going to read um, directly mm-hmm. from, okay, this Christmas tree related incident from 1849 was documented in the Household Narrative which is an almanac published by Charles Dickens between 1850 and 1855. That Charles got his finger and everything. Um, he really was something. Hit between him and Victoria. Yeah. In this section, tastefully entitled Accident and Disaster, Dickens mm. reports the following incident. Okay, so I'm going to read it verbatim. An accident, fortunately not serious in its results, occurred on the evening of 7th at the residence of Esquire of Abbott Lee. Yep. We did that Victorian like cemetery tour too. Um, it was very posh to have a period after every initial. It meant you were very high ranking. Uh-huh. So he is W dot zero <laughs> O dot big dot Esquire dot. <laughs> there was a large party at the house, and during the night, a quote German tree unquote about five feet high, with its branches covered with bonbons and other Christmas presents, mm-hmm. and lit with a number of small wax tapers was introduced into the drawing room for the younger members of the party. While leaving, leaning forward to take some toy from the tree, the light gauze overdress of one young lady, <gasps> comma, Miss Gordon, took fire oh my God. and blazed up in an alarming manner. Oh my God. One of the lads present, whose quickness and presence of mind were far superior to his ears, mm. with much thought and decision, threw down the young lady and folding her in a rug that was luckily close by. He put the flame out before it had done any serious damage beyond sur- scorching her arms severely. And being Victorian times, because he laid his hands on her, they probably had to marry by the end of yes. the evening. Uh-huh. Okay. Using real candles on the Christmas tree was commonplace for many years and the cause of many Christmas disasters. Yeah, you would think. So, another incident reported in the London Lancet in 1856. Uh-huh. The subject of it was a young lady about 24 years of age, in good health at the time, but not strong. <laughs> Why would you add that? <laughs> she's beautiful, but she's weak. Yeah. Surrounded by every comfort that wealth could bestow, mm. living well, and taking a fair amount of daily exercise. What this has to do with that? No, she's not strong. No, she's not strong, no. but she takes her daily exercise. Yeah. I was first consulted after a large chronic abscess had formed behind the right mamma, which I think is her boob, mm. but not affecting the mamma itself. This was attributed to, comma, and I believe, 
justly to long-continued exertion of the arms above the head and dressing a Christmas tree. Here's my thought on what happened to this young lady. She had an abscess in her armpit from putting decorations right. on the tree? But she was probably wearing some god-awful concoction corset yeah. or tool or yeah, some shit was that was rubbing every time she moved her yeah. arm up to put a fucking candle on the tree and she got an abscess. It wasn't because she was weak or yeah. anything else. I just love how that all had to be described yeah. in there. She was weak. All right. And then... Um, the young woman sought medical assistance, and the surgeon, Samuel Solly, operated. The abscess was opened, pressure was applied, and a careful tonic plan of constitutional treatment adopted. Oh. I, I have to read it because you I just know. can't say it any other way. She had a change of air, Laura, because um, that green wallpaper was doing was, her in as well. The arsenic was probably killing that boil. So she had a change of air, carriage exercise, etc. But still, the sinus would not heal. Mm. Dot, dot, dot. With the assistance of my friend, Mr. Martin of Rygate, which in England surgeons were called Mr., mm -hmm. I first made an opening at the lower extremity of the sinus. I next dilated the upper mouth of the sinus sufficiently to insert my finger. Ew. And then, feeling a small portion of carious sternum at the upper part and at the lower, a similar disease of the third and fourth ribs, I removed the softened bone. What? what? This poor he took her rib out. She gets a little abscess. He's taking out ribs. Um, I removed the softened bone in both places with the gouge, and from this time the case went on well, and the sinus rapidly healed. My only source of regret the treatment of this case was that I had not adopted this plan earlier, mm, but one stupid. naturally shrinks from a form formidable operation on a delicate, sensitive female. Oh, my even God. Even with the assistance of chloroform. She's fucking knocked out. She doesn't know what the hell you're doing no. over there. And he's Just, like, all right, I'm going to take out half your ribcage because what the hell? You're asleep. He took her ribs off. Wow. From decorating a Christmas From tree. From decorating a Christmas wow, tree. That That's dangerous. why we shouldn't do corsets. All right. So in 1858, mm -hmm. we have a case in the Medical Times and Gazette. An 11-year-old boy is admitted to King's College Hospital and he's mm -hmm. in serious distress. From the statement of his friends, it appears that on Christmas Eve in 1858, the boy amused himself by eating a large number of Red hollyberries. Oh. Soon afterwards, he began to vomit, uh -huh. and severe convulsions came on, which seemed to exhaust him very much. Yes, <laughs> as I imagined they would. Indeed, their violence was so great, and the consequent exhaustion was so alarming that on Christmas Day, his friends believed he would certainly die. <laughs> Once, he lay so still that he appeared not to breathe, and on holding a mirror before his mouth, <laughs> there was no evidence <laughs> given, no evidence of breath. He was given large amounts of wine oh. to the patient believed to have poisoned. Oh, wait a minute. I missed something here. <laughs> they gave him large amounts of wine, which then revived him. Okay. Though it is believed <laughs> that to have uh, that you do not give large portions of wine to a uh, patient who has been poisoned. Yeah. Especially a child. He, yes. Yeah. He winds up recovering and is fine. So then, if the Christmas decorations didn't kill you, maybe the dinner might. So, in the Medical Times and Gazette reported the inquest death of a Mr. Marshall George Harrison in 1871. No related to the Beatles. Hmm. Okay, you tell me what you think this is, Laura, because okay. you're going to know immediately. Yeah, my. Go ahead. The deceased was taken ill on December 29th last. Hmm. It was supposed, in consequence of something of a poisonous nature, in the turkey of which he partook on Christmas Day. Hmm. Mrs. Harrison's two daughters, a son, and a friend were also seized with vomiting, oh. but all recovered with the exception of the deceased, who died on January 4th. 
The viscera of the deceased and portions of the turkey, sauce, catsup, and some water were sent to Mr. Rogers, London Hospital, for analysis. In his report, the result of the examination to the coroner, he says, after a very careful analysis, no mineral or irritant poisons were discovered. Laura, what do you think it was? Food poison. What kind? Um, yeah, turkey. What's it called? Salmonella. Salmonella. He died within four days? Uh-huh. Wow. He had a severe case of salmonella. It's a lot of vomiting. A lot of vomiting. Mm. Um, and in 1871, we have another one. In his experience, let's see. Mr. Harrison with our poison. Mr. Rogers declared himself. Okay, so it. I find it interesting that in 1871, there seems to have been no notion of food poisoning caused by pathogen, which we're pretty sure it was salmonella, mm-hmm. which very probably killed the unfortunate Mr. Harrison. Having ruled out deliberate poisoning, Mr. Rogers declared himself perplexed. He's not poisoned. <laughs> I'm, perplexed. I'm very perplexed. In his experience, he had met with a case equally singular where a person had died after partaking of goose. Oh. And the symptoms in that case were. I. Identical, identical, right out of my cousin Vinny. Identical with those observed in the present instance. He could come to no other conclusion than that the turkey was poisonous in its nature, like the goose referred to, and that the death of Mr. Harrison was attributed to no other cause. Verdict, death from natural causes. I object, Your Honor. Death from salmonella poisoning. From natural causes. Yep. Because you've got to imagine, they didn't know how to cook a turkey properly, oh, and they probably stuffed the shit out of it mm-hmm. and stuck it in an all-day oven at, like, 20 degrees. And you it know, probably sat on the all day. Yeah, before. you know, yeah. if it wasn't already laced with arsenic from the shit, it probably ate in the oh. soil in London. So, you didn't really want to hang out in Victorian times. That's all I'm going to no. say about that. If the lead paint didn't kill you, or the arsenic wallpaper didn't kill you. Yeah. Um, I was reading something, because I thought it was arsenic, but tomatoes, people wouldn't eat tomatoes. Why? Because most plates were made of pewter. Tomatoes, being so acidic, leached oh, all the lead a, yeah. out of the pewter. And people got lead poisoning when died from tomatoes. Oh, which God. they thought was tomatoes. When yeah. exactly the lead the from the plates. plates. Oh. But I would thought that was part of it. So basically, Victorian times were not a pleasant Deadly. experience. Deadly. They Deadly just times. tried to kill you left and right. No shit. Just so they could have those big funerals. <laughs> <laughs> Here, take this off, him. I'm getting the morning cloth out. I'm going to put a bow on my so, door. when we did that... Um, I was telling Laura we did this tour of the cemetery in Savannah, this big uh, Bonaventure, Bonaventure, that's what it was called, cemetery. And it went through all of the the tombstones, what they mean, all the the Victorian imaging that they had on it, which brought us right back. I was laughing because it's everything you talked about in Halloween. Yeah. And a lot of the tombstones are covered in mourning cloth, which you talked about, the black taffy cut. The woman giving the tour is like, oh, my family still has morning cloth. I'm like, what? She goes, we still practice the morning cloth. I said, you still cover your mirrors and your clock? She's like, absolutely. I said, really? She's like, yes. And I didn't even know what to say after that. Yeah. I can't imagine going into somebody's house and all the mirrors are... pictures upside down? I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Tying it on the door so we can come in quietly. Right. Not to... I, I don't know wow. if they just do it out of sheer tradition, right. but... I can't imagine going into somebody's house no, no, in no. 2021. I'd be a little and, creeped out. And the windows, everything's covered with black cloth. And you're not, I, I just like, can't. I'll just stay outside. I'll just, yep. I'll visit you in like a month. So, <laughs> yep. so that concludes Scissors and Scrubs for the holiday season. For the 2021. Mm. Now we're going into oh, the yeah. new year. We're starting year four. That's crazy. Year four. So that we have insane. cracked 100,000 downloads. Yeah. Yay! I'm going to pop crackers. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> they fill with chocolates. They fill with chocolates. 
Um, so the new year, who knows what that's going to bring. Um, we're going to have to come up with a lot of new topics. Yeah. We'll see. I have a few I can think of. Yeah, write it. We have um, a girl that helps us. She writes. She's been writing great ideas. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so we have a couple to do with those. Um, so have a wonderful New Year's. Enjoy your holiday season. Play it safe. Don't mm-hmm. do any stupid things. No, Make sure you cook it food. All the we way. don't want tapeworms or anything. Get a small tree so you don't have to reach that high. Oh, my sense. God. The thought of going to get a tree right now, I just can't. Mine's just right there can't. in that basement. Well, I told the kids, I said, this is the last year we're doing a real tree. I'm getting too old and too nervous. I'm, I am I mean, now I'm pl- the fight extinguishers right next to it, which I don't think it's going to make a goddamn bit of difference. Will be, It'll be up in two seconds. Second. Yeah. I'll burn with it trying to get the I fire know. extinguisher. Um, But I just can't believe another year. It's another crazy. year is gone. It's crazy. It is freaking crazy. Very fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next year we see both our kids graduate crazy. high school. Mm-hmm. It's just wow. Yeah. Getting well, old, man. We are getting old. Mm-hmm. No, they're getting old. We're not getting old. That's true. All right. So enjoy, and we will see you in the new year. Happy Bye. New year. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.